is the main event. What you gonna do? If you're some man, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Woo! Yeah! Ooh, yeah. I am the game. Costoco said so. Oh my god! What I'd like to have right now. Rest in peace, Waterrush. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Are you ready? Everyone has a price. Yeah, I've come here to fight. Sandy innovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Introducing your old school pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell. Happy Halloween, old school fans. This is your Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast, Beyond the Bell, here on the SNS Radio Network. I'm your spooky, spectacular, spooktacular host, Sean Beckerman, back with you to bring you all things retro in wrestling. It's Halloween season once again, and in Beyond the Bell style, it's time to present our Halloween theme of the year. Go to snsradionetwork.com now as we re-archived our history of Halloween Havoc series, the three-part edition covering 10 years of Halloween Havoc, is now found on the SNS Radio Network's official site, snsradionetwork.com. Don't forget to catch the archives of previous Halloween episodes at btbcast.com. Scary Stars, the scariest superstars in professional wrestling, as well as the scariest entrance themes in sports entertainment, both found at btbcast.com. Under the search bar, you could type in Halloween Havoc or Halloween, and you'll be able to go back and listen to all of our Hallowed Havoc content. Tonight we return on Halloween to present The Undertaker's Scariest Moments. Without a shadow of of a doubt, The Undertaker is the one character in professional wrestling that proves that great work can overcome terrible booking in any aspect, and we'll cover that tonight. He is the most influential character in sports entertainment. So after this quick timeout, get ready to relive some of The Undertaker's scariest moments. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And I want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally, I appreciate the support that we've had here on the SNS Radio Network over the years. And I'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the SNS Radio Network. We now have a way for you to donate to the SNS Radio Network. If you go to the SNSRadioNetwork.com main page, scroll down. There is now a donate button on the page. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us. Your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network. Spend a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network, www.snsradionetwork.com, providing you with free podcasts since 2010. Students, class is in session. Professor Sean Beckerman takes you back in time to relive WCW 101, the history of World Championship Wrestling. Relive the historic rise and fall of WCW on Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast on the SNS Radio Network. Listen to the entire series now at btbcast.com. debuted as The Undertaker at WWF's 1990 edition of the Survivor Series. Back in the locker room, he was trying to I've said a million times before, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. So without further ado, I will introduce to you now my mystery partner, led to the ring by his manager, Brother Love, weighing in at 320 pounds from Death Valley, I give you The Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker, the mystery partner, is now revealed. I never heard of him. Oh, take a oh. look. 
with the size of that ham hock. Check out them drumsticks, baby. 320 pounds, looks to be 6'9", 6'10", someone in that neighborhood, Rod. 6'10", I don't know, it's hard to tell from here. Holy cow! And look at the look on the face. I don't, do you think it's his coffee? Doesn't look like he's having a good time. You think you'd steal the ball out of your team? There's only supposed to be four members on a team. This guy makes four and a half, maybe five. Let, look at them eyes. We need a little nine-nine time there, Bell. Hey, Buckaroo, yeah, look at him. There are moments that connect so well because even when Supernatural, they still give us an actual and palpable level of fear. One of those moments was in 1994, four years after his debut. This time at the Royal Rumble, we witnessed The Undertaker dying by 1994 standards. The Undertaker versus Yokozuna in a casket match was definitely a pay-per-view worthy money match for the company. Yoko was 500 plus pounds and moved like someone half of his size. At this point, Taker was still in the in-ring awkward moves like Michael Myers, but still an athlete like Michael Jordan type of era in his career. He had that zombie-like approach, but still mixing up athleticism. Promising that Yoko would be buried alive in a double-wide and double-deep casket certainly provided, provided the necessary intrigue for this matchup. However, when Crush, the Great Kabuki, Tenru, and Bam Bam Bigelow sauntered down the aisle and interfered in the no-DQ match, the intrigue was heightened. The match was now 5-on-1 and wasn't so much an unfair wrestling match but felt like a man or supernatural being fighting for his life or lack thereof. Then when Mr. Fuji stole the Undertaker's urn from his manager, Paul Bearer, he passed it to Yokozuna. The match reached another level of interest. Nobody had ever touched the urn before other than Paul Bearer. And it was probably, outside of certain moves, the most protective thing in the company at the time. Yokozuna opened the urn, smoke poured out, and like clockwork, the Undertaker weakened. This was now definitely more than a wrestling match, now bearing a morality play or Superman film type of atmosphere. Adam Bomb, Jeff Jarrett, the head shrinkers, Samu and Fatu, and Big Daddy Cool Diesel hit the ring as the 10 men beat the Undertaker and rolled him into the casket. It was a legitimately chilling moment. They locked the casket and pushed it down the aisle until smoke started coming out. Taker appeared on the video screen at the end of the aisle, vowing to return. The casket was shown exploding on the screen, although the casket in the arena did not explode. 
at all. After this explosion was shown, however, a person resembling the Undertaker was seen rising up to the ceiling of the Civic Center. In an era-before attitude, pyrotechnics and extreme themes they were, were routinely, handle, routinely handled in the World Wrestling Federation. The Undertaker dying and basically ascending to heaven was both captivating and completely frightening at the same time. Taker saying he was coming back basically meant that he was the professional wrestling equivalent to the Lord himself. That's not just spiritually heavy, but an absolutely scary notion to consider having mixed into professional wrestling. Fact and fiction, entertainment and supernatural lines were blended. They were drawn and blended, supernatural or not. This was one of the scariest moments in The Undertaker's illustrious career. Extinguished. 
the origin of which cannot be explained. The answer lies in the everlasting spirit. Soon all mankind will witness the rebirth of the Undertaker. I will not rest in peace. This wouldn't be the only time The Undertaker would return from supposed death. He did it in multiple instances, from Yokozuna to the then-legend killer Randy Orton. Hitting and is just been, what the hell's going on? What is it? I, look at Orton's eyes, man. He's like, he's like a 
Oh my God, the dead has risen. What the hell is going on? On October 9th, Randy Orton lit a casket on fire with The Undertaker inside. Tonight, Randy Orton has seen a ghost. The Undertaker is back now for vengeance. But the ghost has come to the ring, and I don't think he's here to celebrate. And The Undertaker back where it all began at Survivor Series. Oh my lord. And Undertaker! Let go for the dick so with a choke! The Undertaker is clean in house! The Undertaker said it broke! some instances that we saw the undertaker being carried to the ring by his very own druids another way for the undertaker to seem even more supernatural and provide an even further eerie type of feel to another comeback in in turn creating more storylines and more twists and depth to the Undertaker character. The Undertaker was scary as well inside the ring competing. An example was when the Undertaker knocked out the referee at the start of the match versus the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels at In Your House Ground Zero in 1997. The entire arc of this feud escalated from being built around a chair shot to having to be solved inside the very first ever hell in the cell structure. It was masterful. Some would say the chair shots weren't the scariest part of this feud. The scariest moment could be from a psycho, uh, psychology standpoint and looking at the psychological aspects. It's the referee getting recklessly bumped before the match even begins. It pretty much sets the tenor for just how outside of the box this feud would eventually become. From a pure psychological standpoint, if a seven-foot-tall tattooed undead being is willing to unmercifully smack around someone completely unrelated to anything regarding the issue you have with him just because he's in the way, that's a great reason to be completely scared of his intentions towards not just anybody, but in fact, you as a viewer, as a fan. It's also nicely set at the same time it set the tone for the level of fear and insanity there was to come 
a great feud between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, but an example of how The Undertaker could be even frightening inside the squared circle, and not just to his opponent, but anyone in his path. He's here. The Undertaker's not gone. No, the, no. You can feel the presence no, of The Undertaker. The we can all time. feel the Wait presence of The Undertaker, and so can you. No. That is not The Undertaker. That is not my Undertaker. That is not your Undertaker. It's my mankind, you feel. That's right. It's not The Undertaker. Nobody's the Undertaker's gone. Nobody's seen Undertaker. The Undertaker's the passed away. Oh, oh yes, he has. He's gone for eternity! Oh, wait a minute! I can't see a thing. What? Get some lights on here. No! Oh my... Where is he? Is he here? A cold wind is just blowing. I don't believe this. He's not here! He's not here, my God! What's that touching me? Jim Ross needs to get out of there. I need to get out of here. Oh no, who's that? It's that it's that music again. What's that? Oh my god. It's it's the Undertaker. That's the way he was left. That's the way he left SummerSlam. He carried out. He is dead. Oh no. It's not the Undertaker. It's simply it's dried up. Dead carcass. They call in your house mind games. Shawn Michaels, see? The Undertaker tried to play my games, and now he's history. This is all my plan, Jim Ross. What? This is just the body. He has passed away. He is not here. This is just a decaying corpse, formerly the so-called phenom of the World Wrestling yes, Federation, yes. The Undertaker. But you know, Jim Ross, he will never rest in peace. Look at all him. the vermin, all the maggots, all oh. the worms are digging at his body right now, <laughs> eating his flesh. Yes, but you know, the worms and the maggots, they're probably spitting his flesh right back out because the Undertaker is nothing. He was never nothing without Paul Bearer. He'll never be nothing again. And now, oh, look. we're going to bow our head in a little silence, because here is the corpse of The Undertaker. This is like some kind of ceremony they're going to have. The, the Undertaker's finally taking the big dirt nap. He's ready for it. I cannot believe this. It's now time for the wake. Would everyone please bow your head? The Undertaker is gone, gone forever. Yes, he is! Oh, yes! Oh, no, he's not! Oh, my! I do not believe this! Get out of there, bro! Save yourself! The Undertaker is on his feet! Mankind did not finish The Undertaker! I've never experienced anything like that in my entire life. Oh, 
Undertaker is here, and he's he's more alive than he has ever been. I know one thing. Paul Bear was sweating Briscoe up there. He better get out of town while he's still got a chance, or he'll be the one taking the big dirt nap. Can you believe it? We thought we saw the last of the Undertaker at SummerSlam. We thought the boiler room brawl. It's not over for the Undertaker. It's only just begun. There have been so many different levels, eras, versions of The Undertaker. One of the scariest periods in Taker's career was when he was the cult leader of the Ministry of Darkness. And what really catapulted the character and the angle, as well as the group, was in the beginning of 1999, in the midst of the Monday Night War. The Undertaker sacrificed Midian. Initially, Taker was the leader of the Ministry of Darkness. And it was such a strange storyline concept that, well, when it involved The Undertaker trying to embalm Stone Cold Steve Austin after October's 1998 version of In Your House Judgment Day, it almost jumped the shark before it even got into the water, in fact. Fast forward to performing a ritualistic sacrifice of Dennis Knight live on Raw. It was creepy. That creepy, weird, and definitely a little bit scary moment that made you question who The Undertaker really was. When he was an active performer on a consistent basis, The Undertaker, more so than any other character, served as a litmus test, you could say, and a version for just how in touch with reality the company is at any given moment. That kind of has been bridged over now to Bray Wyatt. Thus, when The Undertaker is dressing like the Lord of the Druids and about to slice open Dennis Knight's chest with a knife, you know the company's about to head off in a completely out-of-the-realm direction. And you watch in eerie anticipation of all this going on, and it seemed very, very wrong. Thus, it's scary. But in this particular case, in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with any kayfabe reason whatsoever, the ministry later went on to be incredibly absurd and utterly ridiculous in some aspects until the group jumped the shark officially when they joined forces with Vince McMahon's corporation creating the corporate ministry idiotic in a sense but you were, but their entrance their mashed up entrance music was kind of cool that's the one bright spot of that angle but the undertaker the ministry undertaker was very demonic and certainly scary down in a grave as if it would be my final resting place filling it with the earth's rotting soil they tried to destroy me, wishing I would just go away. But what is it? What have they really done? The simple minds of mortal men. They've sent me back to the place that is my origin. Destroy me, 
The more they try, the more powerful I've become. And now, I've risen from my earthy grave. And now I will slay the ones I once saved. The reckoning is upon us. The day that the Ministry of Darkness seizes the land. Destroys all that you hold dear. Make playthings of your heroes. And devour your innocence. The plague of darkness is coming. An all-encompassing evil. For which there is no escape. No mercy. No hope. It's called the future. And in the future, I will look down upon thee. And I will decide whether you're an agent of darkness. Or are you just mere kindling for my fires? The power of darkness shall be offered only to a chosen few. And those that resist the temptations of my ministry. Pain becomes synonymous with punishment. Embrace the darkness and relish in the unearthly delights that pain has to offer. Resist, and there are no limits to the torment you subject yourself to. Don't fight it. It will tear your soul apart. So let my servants be few and secret. They shall rule the many and the known, for I am the weeper of men, the chaser of souls, the weaver of nightmares. I am the heart of darkness. I am now and ever will be the purity of evil. The hell you were threatened with as a child is no longer an option. It is a reality. A living, breathing reality. And you all are right in the middle of it. Yes, hell has relocated to Earth.
this night is, or, or Midian, he's floating. King, what the hell? What the hell is, what the hell is going on? What? The Undertaker has had many, many top competitors and many foes. Legendary feuds. Some feuds that would take him to scary levels. One of those superstars was none other than WWE Hall of Famer, the Rated R Superstar Edge. In SummerSlam 2008, fans would know The Undertaker chokeslamming Edge, quote-unquote, straight to hell. There was a period of time in Edge's career during which being perpetually fearful of his physical well-being was totally okay and perceived to be fitting for his character. Having already survived spinal fusion surgery, the level of abuse he took between 2006 and 2008 in particular was brutal. This fear was tempered by Edge clicking on all cylinders as a character, especially his work with Vicky Guerrero. The end of the Guerrero-Edge storyline, though, involves one of the scariest moments we've ever seen The Undertaker do to an opponent. 2008 edition SummerSlam comes about. Edge Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. It came about after Edge had broken Vicky Guerrero's heart by being caught cheating with their wedding planner prior to their on-air nuptials. Enraged, he had injured best man Chavo, Chavo Guerrero, WrestleMania 22 opponent Mick Foley, and ultimately after having an apology to Vicky blow up in his face, leading to a Hell in a Cell, with The Undertaker being signed as his comeuppance, Edge would attack Vicky as well. The match itself was certainly harrowing, as Hell in a Cell matches tend to be. However, it was the post-match moment of Taker setting up dual ladders and chokeslamming Edge off of a ladder, followed by Edge falling through the ring itself and then the hole being filled with flames. It was scary. There were so many variables being involved. The potential for something much, much, much more shocking and worse to even occur was quite real. In fact, it was surreal in a, in a sense. Definitely a lump in the throat moment, followed by a... Oh, definitely, for sure, a scary moment. For both superstars, but visually a frightening moment in The Undertaker's illustrious career. I wanted to apologize publicly to my wife, Victoria. I know that what I did was horrible. Nothing means more to me than your love. I can't live without your love. Well, baby, I mean, I understand. But you need to understand that hell has no fury over a woman scorned. I did something that you might not like. I reinstated The Undertaker. SummerSlam, it will be you, Hell 
The Undertaker. Every time I close my eyes, that's all I see. And I've found the one person that can help me thrive in Hell in a Cell. Nick Foley! There's something that lingers inside you, something that eats away at you more than our past ever could. Every waking second, I know it eats away at your heart. Mick, if you help me, maybe it'll all just wash away. Not only will I not help you, I can't help you, but I know the one person who can. Edge. You need to look inside your heart and find the Edge who made me say you were the greatest superstar in WWE. You bring this Edge to SummerSlam and The Undertaker will tear you apart. Am I understood? I understand. Undertaker! Come on, Undertaker! Strike me down with your lightning, Undertaker! Make the lights go out, Undertaker! And just hit his own fist, man! What's the matter, Vicky? Is it finally dawning on you that the person you need to worry about isn't the Undertaker? The Contero! Has it snapped? You wanna put me in a hell in this cell with the Undertaker? This, this is the edge that needs to step in the hell in a cell with the Undertaker. The Undertaker wants to take me down. Well, I'm gonna pull the Undertaker down to hell with me. And Vicky, I'm going to take you down to hell with me. When talking about feuds with The Undertaker, there are two men we'll discuss both tonight on the show. One of the of the two is a family member, but he has created a legacy in parallel with The Undertaker. Their feud was one of the greatest of all time. One of the moments in their illustrious rivalry was unique, innovative, and scary as well. There were multiple scary moments between Kane and The Undertaker, but one of the moments that stand out the most was the time that Kane buried The Undertaker in a casket that set the casket on fire. This was at the Royal Rumble in 1998 in the middle of the Monday Night War. The Undertaker sure had a rough time with Royal Rumbles in the 90s especially mentioning his resurrection following the beatdown from Yokozuna and company we mentioned previously. After his debut at In Your House Bad Blood in October the year prior, Kane, managed now by Paul Bearer, and The Undertaker were embroiled in one of the most classic rivalries in professional wrestling history. The heat turned up. 
yes, pun intended, at the 1998 edition of the Royal Rumble. As a build to their eventual WrestleMania encounter, Kane interfered in Taker's WWF World title match against the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, and after placing him in a casket, the show went off the air with the casket being set ablaze. It was to mirror what Paul Bearer had stated happened to Kane as a child. While The Undertaker was later revealed to have escaped the casket before it burned, it was still one of the scariest moments in the company or professional wrestling's history to that point. Working at the logistics so that Jerry Lawler didn't burn Andy Kaufman is one thing. Working at the logistics so that a seven-foot-tall undead being can escape a casket that is about to be burned to pieces is something completely different. Scary visually, but also scary to actually perform. Kane is assaulting his brother. We thought he cannot help it. Look at the Undertaker. He cannot believe it. Paul Barron is coming down here with a smile on his face. A chokeslam slam into the casket. And the lid is shut. The un- Sean wins. The Undertaker in the casket. Michael shut the lid. Michaels will retain the WWF title. Wait a minute. Kane. What are they doing? Kane and Paul Bear. Paul Bear has some pet, some locks apparently in his pocket. They're locking the casket. They're gonna make sure the Undertaker stays in the casket. We Kane and where? Where are Paul Bearer and Kane taking the Undertaker? The Undertaker is in that casket. It has been locked. Where are they going? I don't know. I still can't believe it. Paul Bearer is instructing Kane to do something. The Undertaker is in that casket, ladies and gentlemen. Shawn Michaels has retained the WWF title. Where is Kane gone? Oh my God, look at this! He's got an axe! What is he? He's got, that's an axe! What is he doing? Obviously he's just, he's destroying the casket, but the Undertaker is in that casket! They locked the Undertaker in the casket with padlocks, and now take an axe to it! This is hideous. This is nothing but carnage. I thought, I thought that The Undertaker and Kane had reconciled their differences, but obviously, we were all wrong. He's broken through. He's broken through with that pickaxe. They've locked The Undertaker, have Kane and Paul Bear. And they just, I don't understand. Why? What are they doing? It. What is that? Is that gasoline? I don't know what it is. It, it, it smells oh, like gasoline. What are they trying to do? They're, they could not be that heinous. Kane and Paul Bear could not. No way! Oh, come on, come on now. 
Come on. Paul Weller handing the matches to Kane. And my God, the casket's on fire! The casket's on fire! The, the casket is on fire! The Undertaker is in the casket! One of the most scary moments especially if you are claustrophobic, was the time the Ultimate Warrior was buried alive in the Ultimate Coffin on the funeral parlor. From this, the Warrior was forced to overcome his fears. In 1991, this all took place with the popular world champion Ultimate Warrior being involved in a feud with The Undertaker with Jake the Snake Roberts slithering along the way. When the Warrior was a guest on The Undertaker and Paul Bearer's Funeral Parlor talk show, it was definitely a historic TV segment. A coffin was wheeled out with Ultimate Warrior stickers all over it. That, in a sense, was creepy in itself. It was scary and totally cool looking. You have to admit that. The Undertaker attacked the Ultimate Warrior, then locked him in, a, in that ultimate coffin and watch WWF officials use drills to open and tear to shreds on the inside due to struggle the coffin the moment everything was frightening the warrior then being revived via CPR scary that was freaky as well in a sense the following angle that resulted was Jake the Snake Roberts and his three tests to give him the secrets of the dark side to battle The Undertaker. For WWE TV, it collided Jake Roberts and The Undertaker, the scariest competitors in the WWF at the time. It created a cataclysmic level of never-before-seen fear being displayed in one very supernatural angle. Roberts locked Warrior inside of a coffin himself, then buried him alive in a cemetery. The third test ending with the warrior being bitten in the face by King Cobra. And in his then weakened state seeing Roberts, the Undertaker and Paul Bearer standing over him revealed their collusion. For that era of WWF television, it was scarier than hell. Never trust a snake, Jake would always say. But it all started with the buried alive moment in the ultimate coffin on the funeral parlor. Wait a minute. Whoa. Oh, do you like that, Mr. Ultimate Warrior? You will look so natural, so at rest, laying inside this casket. And by the way, we made it a double X, so it will accommodate your massive physique. Look at this. Oh, you little warriors, look at Well, you can't blame him for that. Look at him, little warriors. He's scared. You're scared. I see it in your eyes. You're scared. The bloodshot look in my eyes. 
Mr. Paul Bear has been misinterpreted as the fear you know. But it only is the power that I now possess even more. For WrestleMania 7, I question my destiny just for that one moment. And that God spoke for me and told me now was not the time to start that journey back to parts unknown. Now was not the time for my powers to seize. Now was not the time for me to be buried or covered by any sacred ground that you, Mr. Paul Bearer, or The Undertaker, walk upon. You might say that you're not scared, but you're going to be scared. Yes, yes, you're going to be scared. You are going to be scared. Not the cold chills of this parlor. My warriors and myself fear not even death itself. But look at your face. You're scared. Wait a minute. You're Wait a minute! Yeah. Go behind. The Undertaker from behind. Yes. yes, yes. The Undertaker all over the wire, attacking him from behind, hammering down the shoulder area, hammering in the back of the head. Oh no! He picked up one of those metal urns. He just clobbered him in the back of the head. Look at this, driving him into the casket. The Undertaker all over the Ultimate Warrior. What a cheap shot! What a setup! No, he's got an urn. Too long in the 
That's Tuong. They better get that key back. They better open up that coffin, and they better open it up fast. Who's got the key? Uh, here come, yeah, that's all. There we go. There we go. We've got we got more help on the way, folks. Thank heaven for that. Turn him, Tony. He's been in there a while now. Him that that can you imagine what he's doing in there? Can you imagine he's trying to get out of there? If you can hear him, all right, we got a crowbar. All right, they know to do it. Right. Get it, boys. That guy's been in there 45 seconds so far. That's airtight. I've done a lot of things in my career, gone past the danger zone, but this is uh, something different, and they need to get him out of there, and they need to get him out of there now. Like they can't get the cut. They can't get it open. Well, they can't get that casket open. Come on, man. It's almost a minute. Get him out of there. Don't drop that. Drop it right on top of the casket. These guys are. Wait a minute. We got something else. What they're are we moving here? too slow, is what they're doing. They're moving too slow. I think they've got a chisel. Okay. We don't, we don't need to call off. We got some brain surgeons. Get in the hell out of there. Trying to jam that. Oh, they're opening it right there. It's going to get open right okay. now. Come on. You've got to break the seal on it. This is not That's my what you have to do right it here. to get the air in there. You've got to break the seal. You've got to get in there somehow. Give the man some air. We're moving too slow. Get the chisel down where they lost it. Right there. They don't know what happened. Okay, get the drill right in the All air. Right. The end hole. Get an extension. This, the ultimate warrior's got to be out by now. He's... He's passed out in there. He has nowhere. He's, can you imagine trying to claw his way out of it? I wash my hands of this right now. We're talking a minute and 45 seconds he's been in there. The drill, it, you can't even penetrate it with a drill. You can't. Come on, get in there. Get them out. Get the rescues. Get somebody in here to help this guy. Somebody Come beat on. up Paul Beer and get the key back. That's what you need to do. You need get to get the key. There. They're trying to drill hey. some holes in to get some air into the cabin. This, this is getting ridiculous. They're trying everything they possibly can do. Find out, think of There's a puncher there. They punctured. Maybe there's a little bit of air to get in there somehow. Dude, I can't stand this. I got claustrophobia and I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. That, that ain't enough air to, to keep an ant alive. You have to put four, six stooges down there. Come on, Grab break that thing. Break it, break in there, break in there. Come on, get it open somehow. You're going to be Wait. Oh my God, look, he was. Look at that. Oh no. Tried to claw his way out. This is too much. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this one time. I didn't know. You know that's the guy. They're giving him. They gotta get him going. CPR. Yeah. Giving him, trying to get him going. Just do it. You know, <laughs> the end of my career, but not this, not this way. I don't like it. It's wrong. It's not the way. It's not my way. It's not anybody's way. It's they're too much. The mouth to mouth, and they're giving him the CPR. Help is on its way. Professional help, I can tell you that. But when are they ever going to get here? When is the professional help ever going to get here? It's already been too late. Who stopped breathing? I don't know if his leg's moving right there, if they're just pushing him hard. They're just pushing him. Wait a minute. He is, he's coughing. He's coughing. Yes. He's moving. 
He just moved his elbow and his arm. Okay, it's coming around. That's better. That's better. I'm going for this right here because I want him out of there. Ultimate Warrior. Just raised his head. Profit. Yes. Oh my God, what an ordeal. I'll tell you, that's Never a... in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. Look at, look at the way he tried to claw his way out of that coffin. See the top he of tried the to casket. Close yes. But it must have been a while ago because when they opened it, he wasn't clawing right there because he had quit clawing. Well, get yeah, him out of there. He's breathing on his own. They're trying to give him oh, some yeah. air. Professional help is going to be here any second. Yeah, they're going to be here any second, but they're already late as far as I'm concerned. Bottom line. Well, they need to get him out of there and, and get him to... The to Undertaker and Jake the Snake Roberts were running rampant. A great combination. They were running rampant all over the World Wrestling Federation. Some may say a reason that they would never want to be married is not to be befallen by the same fate as the Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth had after SummerSlam 1991. This all resulted after Randy Savage opened a present at his wedding reception. After the marriage of Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man Randy Savage at SummerSlam, in which I was there to witness in person, the Coliseum Home Video recorded the wedding reception after the cameras stopped rolling on pay-per-view. The Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth were cutting the cake, people singing, laughing. Where was Michael P.S. Hayes to sing, of course, right? But present time was about to come. Macho Man Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth opening up their wedding gift to find a cobra. And there were The Undertaker and Jake Roberts crashing the party. The cobra in the present was so shocking. It created one of the most realistic moments in WWF and professional wrestling history. No matter what, you can try to rehearse, plan ahead, but a snake is still a snake. And snakes can ultimately bite you. They're unpredictable. The idea that if the snake bit you, that the undead man who directs funerals for a living is standing behind the owner of the snake who's bite can cause immediate death is scary in itself. Add in both Roberts and Taker excelling at making the mean face and whoa boy what a genuinely scary moment that could only happen in the world of professional wrestling. Now let us follow the married couple, this young happy radiant bride and her husband backstage to their wedding reception where Coliseum Video has an exclusive interview and invitation. As the orchestra played, the formal line of eager guests gave their congratulations to the happy couple. How are you? Very good. Good to see you. Bobby, very good. I feel sorry for you too, brother. You know what I mean? Show this man the exit. How you doing? Hey, hey. Ah, very good. Unbelievable, yeah. Uh-huh, very good. Uh-huh, out of focus, but everything's cool. I like you too. Very good. Thank you very much for everything. Please. In the spirit of this romantic occasion, Gene Oakland delivered the ceremonial toast. It is my pleasure to salute... Raise your glasses high as we toast the new bride and groom, Mr. and Mrs. Macho. Woo! Yeah. 
Tastes better that way. I like it. I like it. Very good. Aha, uh -huh, yeah. Their celestial happiness was also evident as they later embraced each other right, on the ballroom floor. Like the bride and groom with the ceremonial first dance of the evening, I present Mr. and Mrs. Mancho. Get them out here on the floor. <laughs> Come on, folks. Here they are. Your new bride and groom. And now, the single ladies vie to catch the radiant Elizabeth's bridal bouquet. You know, kids, I gotta tell you, I have been ha! to a lot of weddings in my life, but I right. don't think I have ever seen anything quite as beautiful as your union in marriage. Right there, right. nice no, ribbon really. right there, Maybe right there. Maybe you're supposed to wait. Not gonna wait Maybe, for nothing. Come on, you're supposed to wait a few minutes. Got a blender, there. yeah! Hey, Get a you blender. can put together a few cocktails in that. It's in there, right I there, I got a blender right oh, here. Randy, That's great. Fantastic, yeah. Randy, we need uh -huh. to wait. We're gonna make out like bandits right now. Uh-huh, very good. Elizabeth, open up with this. Who I got think this me one that? That's fantastic, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Is that gorgeous? Candlesticks. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. By the way, Elizabeth, I that like wedding it. dress is just, well, it's Next just Next time, send money. Aha. No, that's all right. I'm just kidding right there. Yeah. Open up a present. Then, oh, what should have God. been the happy conclusion you know, to this uh, perfect this occasion was suddenly marred by right? this. I'm going to save oh, the yeah. I'm going to Video. This is Lord Alfred Hayes.
scary moments involving The Undertaker did not just mean that The Undertaker was the one delivering the scariness. The Undertaker was involved in many creepy and frightening angles in which he was the recipient of such maneuvering. One example of this was April 1st, 1996, the debut of Mankind. As Mankind set his sights, Mick Foley targeted The Undertaker as his first prey in the World Wrestling Federation. Just one night after WrestleMania 12, most any avowed online dirt sheet reader sat down to watch Monday Night Raw for only one reason. Cactus Jack was debuting. Yes, we knew he was Mankind, but there was absolutely no reason to care about the name. We knew Mick Foley would make it great. It was Mick Foley itself. It was Mick, the guy who kicked Vader's behind in WCW. He was all the rage with Japanese tape traders and was an ECW cult favorite. All of the embellishment that WWE was adding to Foley, the whole squealing, pain-loving, boiler room dwelling, and deranged schizophrenic, who, like Michael Jackson and Ben, spoke to a rat named George. He was arguably a little naive. However, when, in the guise of this bizarre gimmick, attacked The Undertaker at the end of Raw, dropping the diving off the ring apron elbow drop, which was taken now by Bad News Barrett, then shoved his fingers down his throat to lock him in the mandible claw. It led to immediate shock, amaze, and fear. What was genuinely scary was the level of committal to the character Foley had as Mankind. And in just taking the punishment being dished out by Mankind, how the Undertaker was able to get Foley over immediately as a main eventer. And arguably for the rest of his career from that moment on. When two athletes as performers know the actions and behaviors of their characters and counterparts as well, but especially Mark Calloway as The Undertaker, they know it well enough to do that level of compelling business right out of, out of the gate. That in itself is a scary level of talent. And it all started April 1st, 96. Mankind debuting and attacking The Undertaker. The wounds I suffered at SummerSlam have just begun to heal. But there's one scar that I shall carry for all of eternity. The scar of betrayal. Paul Bear, mankind. Last night, you witnessed who truly is the master of the mind game. In mankind, I have condemned you to eternal damnation. Mankind, I am going to bury you alive and you will never rest in peace 
Mankind and The Undertaker would have a historic rivalry, definitely rivaling that of him and his brother Kane's. One of the most shocking moments in The Undertaker's career, especially the storyline with Mick Foley, also created a scary moment as what would be the fallout of this actual event when Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker and sided with Mankind. The worry, the guessing, it came twofold here. You would, one, be scared about what would the combination of Mick Foley, Mankind, and Paul Bearer result? How would these two deranged characters interact? That in itself was scary, but what may have been even more frightening was what to predict. The reaction would be from an enraged Undertaker. On one knee, as we've seen so many, many times before. Yes, the Undertaker, the victor here tonight at SummerSlam. Give him the urn. Wait a, wait a minute. Give him the urn. Mankind driving that mandible claw into the gun of the Undertaker. Paul Burr's laughing. Paul Burr's laughing. Paralyzing, hoping, again, placed on The Undertaker, as we've seen so many times before, and I don't understand at all the attitude of Paul Bear. Undertaker's out. Oh, my God. Paul Bear. What? Look at this. I'll say it ain't so. Where did The Undertaker just set up? Why is this going on? What? What has possessed Paul Bear? After everything he said. Undertaker's out of it. Oh. What? Oh, stop that. Stop that. That's hideous. As we talk throughout the program, we mentioned many frightening and scary moments that The Undertaker has been involved in, in which it seemed supernatural, but still storyline related. We've also witnessed scary moments in The Undertaker's career that seem more realistic and lifelike, and even in a sense out of character for The Undertaker, where he really seems human. One of those examples came as a result of the streak. One of the scariest aspects of The Undertaker was the fact that he was a phenom and he was undefeated at WrestleMania. And every WrestleMania that came about, all fans still had some worry and were scared at certain spots of every match The Undertaker had that that could be the match, that could be the moment that would end the illustrious streak. But what happened after his clash with Triple H at WrestleMania, in which resulted with The Undertaker being carted out. He still won the match, kept his streak alive, but was carried out via, quote-unquote, a stretcher. It was really a motorized golf cart, in a sense, with a flatbed attached to it, in which The Undertaker was placed on, and he was rolled out of the stadium. 
So, to recap, The Undertaker, The Phenom, who is undefeated and he usually walks out heroic fashion for the very first time, especially in WrestleMania, during a big-time event. He was carted out, and his opponent, the one he defeated, was able to walk out. And that man was Triple H. A scary moment as we saw some humanistic characteristics that were very uncharacteristic of The Undertaker. More so than any number of druids, supreme levels of hocus pocus, or landing on his head after diving over the rope. Oh, that was freaking itself against Shawn Michaels. It involved The Undertaker's WrestleMania matches. The end of his no holds bar match with Triple H at WrestleMania 27 was understated by comparison, but scarier than all other WrestleMania moments. The Undertaker at WrestleMania these days is the, or was slash is the ultimate outlaw, a supreme version of John Wayne counting down to having only one bullet left in the chamber. After years of gunfights, the finish of The Undertaker's victorious WrestleMania match, number 19 in the streak, was intriguing because, well, he didn't make it to the back under his own power. The idea that though John Wayne pierced the heart of his would-be assassin but fired his very last bullet had now been introduced into the story. He was vulnerable. It's like John Henry is Johnny Cash's song, Legend of John Henry's Hammer, wherein Henry defeats the mechanical hammer, but promptly dies from the stress. At first there's sadness, then as the gravity of the moment sets in, there's definitely the scare of realizing that the Undertaker may die just like John Henry did, and that gone from the WWE will be his iconic presence, one of the most emotionally heavy moments in WWE history. The scare of just not knowing proved to be far greater than save but one physical interaction in The Undertaker's legendary career. No holes barred defines this matchup. To the most honored, battle-tested veterans in all WWE. Are about to go one-on-one for the most survival record in WWE, The Streak. Undertaker at this stage, it's not that he thinks he can win. It's not that he knows he can win. He expects to win. Both warriors and both competitors are both extremely proud men. They take this business extremely seriously. This is as tense an atmosphere as I have ever felt anywhere. These are two guys are the most respected guys in our industry. Two of the best ever. Zeus and Hades battling it out on Mount Olympus. takes to keep him down. This is too much! 
The tombstone was the moment where I thought, that's it. The streak's done. I covered his arms over his chest, did the tongue and everything, and one, two. When you think you're winning and the guy kicks out, you're wondering, what am I supposed to do? Undertaker will beat you with his bare hands, and he will. Triple H, he likes using sledgehammers. He had this look on his face where, you know, he didn't really want to do it, but he knew he had to do it. Triple H had you believing that it's going to end. When Triple H wound up in the Hell's Gate, I knew it was... That was it. Triple H was right. He lives for the streak. It's all he's got. But he is certain that he will do everything in his power to win on that day. The Undertaker is 19 and 0. It was an example of just how incredible those guys are. To have a match this brutal, one of the guys didn't walk away. And it was the guy who won. We both left absolutely everything we had in that ring. And when you're back, I'll be waiting. And as we wrap up this scary edition of Beyond the Bell in spirit of Halloween, we have to talk about Arguably, but it's really hard to argue the scariest moment The Undertaker has ever been involved in. Go back to 1998. King of the Ring. Hell in a Cell versus Mankind. The match which may feature The Undertaker dishing out more punishment. More punishable by law violence than any other match in the history of the business. Only lasts for 17 minutes and 10 seconds. That being the case, it's only fair that a good two-thirds of that 17-plus minutes is spent wondering if Mick Foley was dead. Intriguingly, the big spot of Mankind getting tossed off the side of the cage through the Spanish announcer's table happened so quickly in the match that if you blink, you'll miss it. Mankind starts the match on top of the cage. The Undertaker climbs on top as well. They brawl around for a bit. In an expected plotting manner, given that they're standing on a mesh-like netting of twisted steel. And once by the edge, Taker hip-tosses Mrs. Foley's baby boy off the cage, obliterating a table 20 feet below on impact. This is where the scary moments begin, and let's really break down how scary they are. There was a work-shoot type of moment where Mick or or, excuse me Terry Funk ran out to check on Mankind. He closely followed by storyline Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter. The third man out Dr. Petit the then shoot physician on call at all of the company events. The head doctor even well has been seen or been identified on TV no he never was absolutely not clearly clearly This was a stunt, and clearly this was a stunt that 100% of the people, not named Mick Foley or Mark Calloway, knew could go terribly wrong. Mankind is rolled away on the stretcher, then gets off the stretcher and heads back to the ring, climbing to the top of the cell where the Undertaker awaits. 
And, of course, another big bump, bump would take place. Almost immediately after getting to the top, Mankind's choke slam through the cage itself to a mat 20 feet below. If Foley doesn't control his own bump, somewhat, he breaks his neck. If the ring is not 100% properly constructed, Foley breaks his back. Amazingly, the cage itself recoils and hits Foley in the face, popping one of his teeth through his nose. The iconic imagery. Amazingly enough, outside of what I'm certain is some level of internal bruising or bleeding, Foley survives. Of course, the match continues after another moment wherein officials check on Mick Foley's condition and the components brawl, they brawl around even further, just for a bit, right? Amazing. Namely, they go outside using ring steps and chairs in a, well, strange for this match, in a safe yet spectacular manner. Once back in the ring, Mankind subdues the Undertaker, goes outside to the ring again. He's even on his feet. How he's breathing is unbeknownst to fans. He takes out thumbtacks, spreads the tacks, but it backfires, of course, as Mankind was sent splashing his back onto those tack-filled, uh, <laughs> those tack-filled specimen. Amazingly, of all of the incredibly violent maneuvers in the match, this is the one that is the least potentially damaging. Amazing. One tombstone pile driver later, and the match is finally over. Had this match not been held under the auspices of a World Wrestling Federation event sanctioned by the Athletic Commission of the state of Pennsylvania, what The Undertaker did is scary because it's so vicious that it could be perceived as a criminal as a criminal as a criminal act, in fact, and charged as second-degree attempted murder. That's scary. A scary moment. A scary match. It made Mick Foley's career. And it was another notch in the legendary career of The Undertaker. But, some say, and I agree, by far, the scariest moment in The Undertaker's legendary future Hall of Fame career.
wants to go back up. Amazing. Absolutely amazing here. He throws him up on the other side. There's... the most famous wrestling match of our time. Mick Foley fell from the top of the cage. They told him it's over, and he gets back up and does it again. What are you thinking right now as you're, you're up there? I think I'm in for a long night. Um, <laughs> Not as long as Mick's. Well, yeah, well, Mick had a little longer night than I did. I, I tell you what, when he, uh, uh, you know, when I tossed him off of the stage, or not off, the, off, off of the cage, you know, it was like time stopped, and it, people say they have out of bo outer body experiences and things like that. I could actually, standing on the cage watching him fly, I could actually see him 
and I could actually see myself standing up there. I didn't think Mick Foley would get up from that. I, uh, it was such a violent impact, you know, and you just can't, the TV doesn't do it justice, you know what I'm saying, as far as the sound, it was, uh, for him to stand, for him to get up off of that That's right the there. first fall, which is on the table, which, which he scripted, right? Uh, that right. was planned. I did not They're carrying that. him away, and are you thinking right now, someone's got to stop this? I'm thinking that he's, he's seriously hurt, but this one here, this one was a lot worse than the first one. That panel wasn't supposed to break loose. That panel, uh, that, that panel gave way, and uh, the second one was, was far worse than, than the first one. He was actually out on his feet for probably the next, I don't know, two, three minutes. Did you think about stopping it at any time? Uh, I, actually, uh, I actually told Mick, I said, Mick, I said, just stay down. You know, his, uh, his tooth had gone through his lip, was lodged in his nostril. He's bleeding from the mouth. You know, you can look, you can look in someone's eyes and tell them, tell you, you know, they're not there. And for the next two to three minutes after that fall, Vince, I mean, Mick wasn't there, you know. And uh, true to his professionalism, and, and, and Mick cared about what fans thought, and, and it was his duty to perform and, and go out, he stuck it out. And, uh, and I mean, it was, it was violent, and it, you know, once he got up and, you know, and he got, his, got the cobweb shaking loose, I mean, it didn't stop there. I mean, there were the tacks. There was the, the you know, there were the punches and the. It was a violent night for Mick Foley. You are a boxing fan. You and I were talking before yeah. we went on the air how boxing's your favorite sport. Right. In boxing, though, if a guy's hurt, the referee steps in and stops the fight. You don't have that. Your your sport is all about the crowd. You got to continue. Yeah. I mean, unless something happens where there's absolutely no way that you can continue. Uh, most guys, and it's not about, you know, if it was up to, to Vince or something, yeah, they would probably stop the match and get the guy out of there. But I think that's what separates wrestlers in the WWF from, from any, other, any other sport. Those guys take so much pride, and they feel so honored to be out in that ring performing that uh, whatever it Does takes. Does it piss you off, though, that, that wrestling, at least in some circles, has the stigma of not being a sport, right? Yeah. And, and the fact is, in other sports, guys get to heal. They have disabled lists. They have injury lists. Mm -hmm. You know what? You like boxing. Guys fight twice a year. You go out night after night. Does right. that bother you? You know, it used to. It really used to eat me up that, that people always, you, you'd, you'd hear professional wrestling, and you went, <laughs> you got a snicker, you know. But uh, you know what? I, I'm, I got over that because I know... I know what, it, what I do. I know the people that come and pay their hard-earned money to watch us perform. I know they appreciate it. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't, sw I don't sweat, the, uh, sweat the light stuff because uh, it really didn't matter. But it used to. It really used to eat me up because no one really understands the physical abuse that we have to put our bodies through. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. fan of wrestling shoot DVDs, wrestling action figures, wrestling memorabilia, the SNS Radio Network is an affiliate of HighSpots.com. So when you go to the SNS Radio Network site, click on the High Spots banner on the main page, and it takes you directly to High Spots. Now, I'm not saying you need to buy something from HighSpots.com, but if you do, you're helping to support the SNS Radio Network by going through High Spots on the link on the SNS Radio Network page. And every purchase gives a kickback to the SNS Radio Network, helping us keep all the programming here free for you.
Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you looking for the latest wrestling news? Well, then you should check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's been around for 16 years. And it's one of the longest-running newsletters on the Internet today. It comes right to your inbox three to four times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. Want that access on your phone? They also have mobile apps for your iOS, Apple, and BlackBerry. The archives of all the Unplugged shows, as well as columns. You can also follow WrestlingOnline.com on Twitter, at WrestlingOnline. Or check them out on Facebook, www.facebook slash WrestlingOnline. It's that simple. Wrestling-Online.com is the official news source of the SNS Radio Network. And perhaps you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.wrestling-online.com. Once again, happy Halloween, old school fans. Thank you so much for joining us once again to your spooktacular old school nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell, here on the SNS Radio Network. Tonight, we went back to cover the scariest moments in professional wrestling, this time targeting the scariest superstar in sports entertainment, The Undertaker. These are just a few. He's had so many, but some of the most memorable moments that were so creepy, so frightening of Mark Calloway's legendary career. Scary, but entertaining. Connect socially to Beyond the Bell, folks, at btbcast.com. You can connect to all of the archive shows, as well as follow us on Twitter. The Twitter feeds at btbcast.com, at Sean Beckerman, at btbcast, and at Ring Announcing. Follow all three Twitter accounts, for Sean Beckerman and Beyond the Bell. You can send email to beyondthebell at btbcast.com and on Facebook, search facebook.com forward slash btbcast. Go to snsradionetwork.com now as we have all of the re-archived History of Halloween Havoc editions, the three-part series, three editions, covering 10 years of Halloween Havoc history, the best of Halloween Havoc, now at snsradionetwork.com. 
Don't forget to go to btbcast.com as well for scary stars and the scariest themes in professional wrestling if you want to stick with the Halloween theme here tonight. Next week, fans, get ready as we once again open up the Horseman Files on Beyond the Bell. Next edition, we target the years 1991 and 1992 in the history of one of the most, if not the most illustrious faction in professional wrestling, the Four Horsemen. Also, in two weeks, don't forget, fans, we are going to get pumped and getting ready to relive and commemorate part two of the history of professional wrestling video gaming in celebration of the Phase 2 release of WWE 2K15. We will be covering Part 2, 2000 and on, in the history of pro wrestling video gaming. Jeff Jackson on Unplugged this past week spoke about the IGN ratings for video games, professional wrestling video gaming. I will be replaying that clip for you fans in Part 2 of our history of video gaming Expect that in just two weeks. And as well, don't forget to catch this date in wrestling history each and every week on Unplugged. 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, every Tuesday at SNSRadioNetwork.com. And you can catch Beyond the Bell every week here at at the SNS Radio Network, as well as archived at btbcast.com. So fans, until next week, we're going to take it home with some old school music. One of my favorite Undertaker themes that was certainly creepy was when he came back as the last outlaw. This was sung by Johnny Cash. Ain't no grave as the Undertaker returned back to the world of professional wrestling as he continued on with his streak just a couple of years ago. And he came out to a different theme song than his Graveyard Symphony. This time, Johnny Cash led the way with Ain't No Grave for The Last Outlaw. So fans, till next week, Sean Beckerman signing off as always. Stay old school ghouls, my friends. There ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise right out of the ground Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look way down the river what do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look down yonder, Gabriel Put your feet on the land and see But Gabriel, don't you blow your trumpet till you hear from me. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Ain't no grave.
Meet me, meet me in the middle of the air And if these wings don't fail me I will meet you anywhere Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, meet me, mother and father Meet me down the river road And mama, you know that I'll be there when I check in, my Lord. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Body down. 